please turn with me to Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 20, uh, I beg your pardon, verse 31. Luke 14, verse 31. For what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. My friends, we're looking at these uh, two verses uh, tonight, and my subject is warring against God. Now, the context really for these, these verses is about uh, thinking, and uh, the Lord is putting before the great multitudes who are following him that there's a cost in following Christ, and they must think about that before they decide on following him. There's a cost he must be loved above all. He must be loved above family. He must be loved above even their very own lives. I've, unless they do so, they cannot be uh, his disciples. And so he's exhorting the crowds, think about it before you decide on following me. And that's the main thing that's being taught here. But in this Second illustration that he uses, the first one, he uses about a tower, and make sure you count the cost before you embark on building, lest you only get halfway in the building and suddenly you run out of money and you realize you haven't got enough and everyone's going to mock you and laugh at you, your half-finished building. Well, that's the first illustration he uses. And then the second one, which is what we're going to look at tonight, about a king going to war and he's only got 10,000 men, but the king coming against him has got 20. So he should think and consider uh, that it's better to make peace with that king who is coming against him. And uh, we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle and from the sense of a king uh, 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 being at war, rather, with God, warring against God. One king going against another king, man fighting against uh, his maker. Now, no one wants to engage in a war in which they are sure to lose. It would be folly for a person to do so. Before a person goes to war, well, or a country, they should check their arsenal, they should check, make sure they've got uh, their weaponry, they would uh, check the military, uh, the strength of their military, and then they would use their intelligence to, to uh, realize what is the strength of the opposition? What is the strength of our opponents? Can we sustain a war against them? Or is the opponent much too powerful uh, for him? And if the report comes back, oh no, he's got <laughs> far too much artillery compared to us. He would overpower us in a moment. But well, we better not engage in a war. We're not only sure to be defeated, we're sure to sustain great losses, great harm, great damage will come to our land. We'll have to rebuild our whole cities. We'll have to rebuild our whole infrastructure but because it will so demolish us. It will be foolish for us to engage in such a battle. We better sue for peace. We better quickly negotiate the terms for peace. 
We better quickly send an ambassador and a delegation out to seek for, uh, for peace with this king who is coming against us. That's the wisest thing to do. And that's, friends, what's in mind here. That's what we should do. That we should not be fighting. Man shouldn't be fighting against his God. He shouldn't be fighting against his maker. He should be laying down his arms because he cannot win. He's in the battle and he's in a warfare against his maker, which he's sure to lose. There's no doubt about it. And he'd rather, he should rather quickly lay down his arms and come surrender uh, to him and seek peace with him before it's uh, too late. So let's think about uh, this issue about being at war with God. Now you know that there are a number of causes of war. War happens for all different sorts of reasons. Sometimes for territorial gain, uh, wars happen. Sometimes for economic gain, things happen. Sometimes for revenge. People want to get something, some, somebody's affronted or something. It may even be a very small issue, but they begin a war over it. And oftentimes it's for independence, isn't it? A, a, a small region uh, within, a, within a country wants to succeed. Uh, they want to uh, become independent uh, from the reigning power, to be free, to have its own king. Oh, we don't want to belong anymore to this overruling country. We want to be free to do our own thing. We want to have our own government. We want to have our own laws. We want to be free from this dominating uh, country. And that's uh, the cause of so many wars. Uh, it was so in the South Pacific. Uh, there's a, a unit, well, you know Papua New Guinea, and uh, one of the, the regions within Papua New Guinea is a place, you may have heard of it or not, I'm not sure, a Bougainville. And in there in Bougainville, well, they're in a Tom, autonomous region. But before 1988, well, they were trying their very best to gain independence from Papua New Guinea. And in the, in, by 1988, well, war broke out. The dominating country wouldn't allow them to uh, have their freedom, wouldn't allow them to have their independence. And so this blo a very bloody civil war broke out, lasting 10 years. And uh, we, had, we see 15 20, to 20,000 people lost their lives in such a battle just for independence. It was never resolved. It's still ongoing. At the end of those 10 years, people became so battle-weary that they decided to stop. That, that was the reason they stopped. But now it's still an ongoing matter there. They're still fighting for independence. And I think that's what's in mind here with these uh, two kings. One provincial king uh, is wanting independence from the main king, from the reigning king, and he, he wants his freedom uh, from, it, from him. And it's a picture, friends, of us, that uh, man wants to be like that. Man in his fallen state, he wants to be independent of his maker. He doesn't want God anymore to reign over him. He wants freedom from God. He wants, doesn't God, want God to interfere in his life anymore. He doesn't want God's laws. He wants his own laws. 
He doesn't want God to be his king. He wants to be the king of his life. He wants to determine what he does with his life. He doesn't like God's standards. He wants to separate himself, be free from that, uh, that uh, from the Lord, and have his own way. And to be in such a such a scenario, to feel like that, friends, is to be at war with God. We say to God, "We don't want you to reign over us. We will reign ourselves. We want to be independent from you, Lord. We don't want you uh, on our territory. We don't like." your standards. We want our own. We want to get on and rule our lives as we choose. Let there be a border between you and us. You keep to your side and we will keep to ours. Don't come to our side. Don't interfere with us. We won't uh, come onto your side. That's what we feel like. That's what we behave like, friends, in this war against God. Man, fallen man, that's what he's, he's, he's like. Here we see two kings, one minor king and going against his maker, man going against his maker, the greater king. Well, in one sense, we could say man is like a king. Minor one, again we say, but he is like a king. When God made Adam the first man, he gave him power, he gave him authority. He gave him dominion over the fish, over the birds, over all the beasts. He was the main. He was king over them. He gave him power to subdue the earth, to use the resources that are found in the earth for his good, for his benefit. They were all like servants to him, and he could, he could use them in his kingdom. This earth was his kingdom. but He was very much like a king. But he was a king with delegated authority, with delegated power, not inherent authority. He was subject, that first man, subject to a greater king than him. He was subject to God. And he was subject to him, we read in Genesis, for a short while, just for a short time, and then he rebelled against him. He rebelled against his God, against his maker, broke his commandment, against his friend. And since then, ever since then, friends, man has been at war with his maker. Oh, friends, God made us. God made you. God made your body. God made your soul. You belong to him. You, 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 it's your duty to love and to serve him. It's your duty to, to feel for him, to feel affection for him. It's your duty to yield to him. This is his right over you. We cannot, he will not let us succeed uh, from him. He will not let us, uh, he will come to reclaim his property. We belong to him. His stamp is upon us. His whole mark is upon us. He will not let, he will not grant us our request for independence. Well, he comes to us. God comes to us in a number of ways. but We are resisting him on so many different fronts. Just like you have in a war, you have many different battles going on, many different fronts on which the soldiers are fighting, the Eastern Front, the Western Front, and so on. Well, here also there are, in this battle between man and God, there are, there are many battles which are going on uh, with the Lord on different uh, fronts. We are so determined 
to keep our independence, to gain our independence. We may not even vocalize it. We, uh, we, we say we, we don't talk like that. We may not use such fighting talk. But friends, we, uh, we, we behave like that. And perhaps we, uh, even, uh, even though we don't use such militant talk, uh, talk like that, we may say, well, I'm not like that. I'm not at war with God. Well, if we're not for God, if we're not for Him, if we're not yielding ourselves to Him, then Jesus said we are against Him. Rebellion, whether it's overt and militant, whether it's silent and undercover, is still rebellion. It's still an offense against God. So we fight against God like on, on so many different fronts. <laughs> the words of, uh, of Churchill could be applied to us. You remember his famous speech, that he gave during the war to stir up the people. But this is perhaps how we think. We go on to the end, he said. We shall fight on seas and oceans, and we shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the land landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. That was his words, powerful words at the time. We like that. Do people's people speak like that to God? Who fight you on every front? Who never surrender to you? Who never give in to your demands? Oh, friends, let's think about some of these battle fronts. God comes as our Creator and as our Maker, the one who is entitled to us to claim us for His own. We reject that claim. I'm not having that claim. I don't believe that claim. I don't believe he has any right over me. And so we cling to evolution, a theory which has so many holes, so many things that you can point a finger uh, which doesn't uh, make sense. We'd rather hold on to that than engage uh, with the Lord and acknowledge him as our maker. Another front on which we, we fight against God is his attributes. And we wish we could disarm God of, of his, in some way of his attributes. We we're out to weaken him in some way. Let me explain. Oh, he's holy, perfectly holy, completely holy. There is no darkness in him. There is no impurity in him. But we, don't, we wish he was less so. We don't want him to be so holy. We wish he was a mixture of light and darkness. We wish that he was a mixture of impurity and holiness. He's too holy for us. We don't like that kind of a God. We wish he was less wise. He couldn't, that he couldn't see our hidden thoughts and our hidden intents. Or we wish he was less omnipresent, that he wasn't everywhere present, that, so that we could run from him and hide from him and keep things from him. And so that he wouldn't be aware of everything that I'm doing. We fight him also, in a sense, his attribute of judgment. He is our judge. And he will judge every infringement of his law. But we wish he wasn't so strict. We wish he was less strict than he is. Why, why does he have to be so particular about every sin? Why can't he be more flexible in his judgments? Why can't he give way? Why can't he just forgive and go easy on us? Oh, friends, 
that would be going against uh, his character. But this is what perhaps we think and wish in our hearts. We may not vocalize it. We may not say it out loud. But this is perhaps some of the ways we think. In another way, we may wish that he was less powerful than he is. So that he couldn't overpower us. And he couldn't, he couldn't carry out his threats against us. The threat even to cast us into hell. Oh, we don't want him to do that. We wish he didn't have such power over us. So we, we fight him in a sense even where his attributes are concerned. Then there's his book, a revelation from heaven, the Bible. Precious things given to us. Things that we couldn't find out in this world. Revealed to us by, by the Lord. And telling us, it also tell, tells us of his standards and what God requires from us and the commands to keep. We say, oh, it's too grievous. It's too much for us. And we revolt against them or we attack the book. And we say, oh, it's just a man-made book. It's just given by man. We don't have to believe it. We don't have to receive it. Or we can just pick and choose the bits that we like. We don't have to take it all. Or it's outdated. Or it's irrelevant. We come up with all these arguments it's not for our modern society. It's no help to me. Oh, friends, this is another area. Also, we could think of another front where we battle against the Lord. Conscience. In our conscience, the Lord gives us a sense that He is there, that He's willing even to forgive us as we hear the gospel, that we fight against that. He tells us what's right and what's wrong. And we don't want conscience to tell us what's right and wrong. We want to override it. We want to do our own thing. We, want, we don't want to let it speak. So we suppress it. It's his way of coming to us and nudging us and speaking to us and reminding us, this is important, your relationship with me, your spiritual life. But we don't want it. Leave me alone. Keep quiet. One more front, friends, one more area I can mention. We fight God in his overtures towards us. He comes, he appeals to us gently, graciously, kindly, in love. He appeals to us again and again. He speaks kindly to us, not as our sins deserve. He feels for us. He feels though we are traitors, though we want our independence, he feels pity for us and he comes to win us back to himself, to win us by love if he can, to draw us uh, to himself. Though we have treated him so badly, he responds not with anger, but with gentle entreaties. Come, don't be so foolish to act in this way. Turn to me, I will bless you, I will help you, I will forgive you. Lay down your weapons, I will give you the gifts that you cannot find in this world. I will forgive all your sins. I will give you such help in life. I will be your God. I will be for you. I will be on your side. Come. I will give you peace in, with me, peace in your conscience. And when you come to die, I will take you to heaven. Death for you will only be the beginning because you will be taken into such a glorious place. 
again and again he comes with these kind appeals to draw us to himself, to win us. And we reject it and we res resist his gracious proposals. Think about these things, friends. Think about this war with God. Take advice on this matter. That's what this king was, ought to have done. He's, this word here, consulteth. If he knows a greater king with 20,000 is coming against him and he's only got 10,000, well, he should consult whether he should go out. And the word means uh, deliberate, to consider, to take counsel. The king, he calls his ministers, he calls his war ministers maybe together and they sit around on that cabinet table and they say, can we do this? Can we engage in such a war? And the, the answer comes back, no, we cannot. We must, uh, uh, he, it's a wise thing to do, to consult. We were only mentioning uh, this morning about uh, the war in Ukraine. And uh, it said, I was reading a news, news article, and uh, it was said of uh, Putin that he engaged in this war without any consultation. Without any, he just called together his generals and told them, this is what we're going to do, and this is, that was what, how the war uh, started. Without any consultation, he entered into the war. But we need to consult friends. We need to take advice on this. We need to think with ourselves, to consider in ourselves who we are fighting against. It is the Lord. We need to think, is this war that I'm fighting against God, is it a just war? Is it morally justifiable for me to be engaged in such a war with Him? Well, the First Second World War, we could say, yeah, we were under threat. We were under threat of being invaded. We were not the aggressors. We were defending our country. So it was right. It was morally justifiable for us to enter into such a war, I think, I believe. But this war with God, is it morally justifiable, friends? Can we say that we have a right uh, to, to do it? Can we say we're doing the right thing? There is no moral justification for it uh, whatsoever. But look at verse uh, 32. What must, what must this minor king do? He must send, a, while the other king is great way off, he must send an ambassador, he must send an ambassador, a delegation, and desire conditions of peace. He must seek terms of peace before uh, he is overrun. And that's all we should do. But we won't. That's what is the right thing to do, but we don't do it. Man doesn't do it. Though in our hearts of hearts, we know that we will lose. We know that we are fighting a, a losing battle, and yet still we won't make peace with God. Still, we know that we're going to be brought at the end, even though we may say we don't believe it, we know in our heart of hearts that we're going to be brought to, to, to judgment even against our will. And that's a, a scenario I will have to face one day. But still, we hold on tightly to our independence. We won't relinquish our position. And we proudly and stubbornly say, no, I, I won't seek terms of peace with God. But look at this. The gospel is that God comes to us. And He comes seeking peace with us. Even though we are the perpetrators, He comes to us and seeks peace with us. He sends His ambassador, 
his son, his great son. He sends him from heaven to seek and to make peace and to seek peace and to offer peace to all who will accept it. The son of God comes from heaven to make peace. These are the terms, friends. These are the terms of the peace agreement. Uh, listen to these, these things. If you desire peace with God, you must get a hold of these terms. These are the conditions. Firstly, Christ will go to the cross. Christ will there suffer on the cross. There he will uh, take the penalty of, of the sins of all who will trust in him. Look to that cross. There he, he is dying on behalf of all his people. This he must do. He must take away their sins and in great agony and in great pain. Physical pain was one thing, but the soul pain. But we cannot enter into what he went through in his soul when he was bearing away the sins of his people, making peace for them. That's the, that's the central thing, friends. What must I do? Christ did that. What must I do? First thing, I must believe in him. I must believe in him. I must look to that cross and I must trust in what he did for me. I must say, come to that point where I realize Christ was dying for me. He was taking my place. I believe it, Lord. You, you, you died for sinners. I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me. Lord, I believe in, in you. I trust in you. That's one. And the second thing you must do, you must lay down your arms. You must repent of your sins. You must repent of your rebellion and repent of uh, your pride and stubbornness. You must come humbly before him and tell him that you're ever sorry that you lived fighting against him, opposing him in so many different ways. Lay down our arms and then thirdly, surrender. Surrender, friends. Surrender your life over to Jesus Christ. Yield your life to him. That's what you must do. These are the terms so simple. Believe in Christ. Repent of your sins. And yield your life over to him. If you accept these conditions, you will be brought into peace with God. You will be brought into favor with God. He will no longer be angry with you. Your judgment will be removed because Christ has borne it away. You will no longer be at war with him. Will I have to make any reparations? Is there a levy placed upon me because of the way that I've lived? No. No, nothing. All you have to do is what I've mentioned uh, already. But he re that's the only requirement he, re he asks from you. But no, you look at this even more. He will bless you with so many spiritual benefits and blessings. You come to him. You give your life to him. You trust in Christ. He will give you peace. He will give you, he will accept you into his family. You're his, you'll be his son, his daughter. You will enjoy friendship with him. He will be your best friend in life. He will undertake to help you in life, in all your troubles. Now that you are on his side, in your troubles, he will say, I am on your side. I am with you. 
I will be with you through all life's difficulties. Whatever you're going through, I will be with you. He will answer your prayers. He will be your guide in, in life. He will make you a better person. He will make you a better wife, a better husband, better mother, better father, better employee. In so many different areas, He will make you a better person. He will improve you. And when you come to die, well, you will look at that terror without fear. The fear of death He takes away because He has promised that now that you are His, He will be with you. He will carry you across that river and bring you to heaven and to glory and uh, to peace, uh, to enjoyment with Him forever and uh, forever. Oh, friends, what blessings come to us from being at peace with God. Raise the white flag. Raise the white flag, friends. If you haven't done so, surrender to the Lord now. Come to Him. See how wonderful He is. It's a good thing to be under His reign. Oh, why would we want to have... Re we don't know about tomorrow. We don't know how to handle things. We're so limited in our wisdom and in our knowledge and uh, our ability to even to manage our own lives. We need God who knows all things, who is all-powerful, who is all-kind, to place ourselves under His hands, uh, under His authority. It's the best place for us all to be. Come to the Lord. Trust in Him. Give your life to Him and know a peace with Him. Well, let's uh, pray together. Oh God, our gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank Thee that Thou dost come to us and appeal to us, undeserving as we are, to be right with Thee, to be at peace with Thee. Oh, grant that we may acquaint ourselves with Thee Grant that we may be quick and speedily turn to Thee, our God and Saviour, and accept even these terms of peace and these conditions. We may become repenting, believing, trusting in the Saviour, and yielding our life over entirely to Him, and may know the blessings of walking with Thee, O Lord, in this life, and enjoying Thee in the world that is to come. We ask these blessings in our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. Now let's uh, sing our final hymn, number 384. To whom, Lord, shall we go? 384. Amen.